Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We're rolling out a new feature for patrons. If you sign up today, you don't have to watch the Boda Glimp game again. This is the Arsenal Vision Postmatch Podcast. My name is Alex Smith. You can bot me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. That's right. Over on the Patreon side of things, we have a feature we call the Rewatch. We put the video up on the screen. Clive talks about it, tells you what's happening. I stop him to do a screenshot and say, this player should have passed to this player here. He was open. And Clive tells me to shut up and then goes on and says uh, more tactically insightful things. But... Uh, new feature today. If you sign up immediately, you don't have to do a rewatch for the Boda Glimp game. I'm kidding. You can stay here. You can be there. We've got stuff there. We've got stuff here. There's stuff for everybody. So do the thing you like, but absolutely the thing you probably should take my advice on doing is not rewatching the Boda Glimp game. I think it is fair to say job done. Move on like that. That's how I feel about it. now. That's not going to feel column inches. That's not going to feel podcast minutes. We can find stuff to talk about. The thing about a good season is sometimes it's just going well, and it doesn't have to be a thing. Uh, not the prettiest game. Not the prettiest pitch. Not the prettiest game. Kind of a fun atmosphere. Bukayo Saka hit a guy just trying to live his life in his flat. He's trying to live his life. Bukayo Saka shot lands in his, in his flat. That's going to happen sometimes when you play in Norway. So here to discuss that with me, probably more about the Leeds game and uh, whatever else we can find to discuss in an Arsenal season that is going pretty well, I think you'd have to say, is Paul. You can find him on Twitter at Pause My Pants. Hello, Pause. Woohoo. Woohoo, indeed. And Clive, you can find him on Twitter at Clive PFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Hello, indeed. I will tell you, this is the third time we are starting recording this podcast. So what we are trying to do is emulate the experience of the game by making this uh, a very, very mediocre effort on our part that just about gets over the finish line. Um, Clive, the, the talking point whenever you have midweek games is the lineup because there's always going to be people that think the most important thing is win every game, right? Win every game! Win every game. And then there are some people that are going to say the most important thing is fitness. Don't risk the players. Don't risk any players, especially on a plastic pitch. I'm probably more in the latter camp. I think people know that about me. I find myself at like a three out of ten in believing that maybe we risked players we didn't need to in this game. But I also acknowledge that winning this game means we could wind up being done with the group after the PSV home game. And we could send kids to the PSV away game if we want. Um... Because it won't matter. It'll be a dead rubber. So I, I kind of can see both sides of it. Where do you come down on the issue of the players we used in this game, whether it was the right way to handle it, and how it, how it should be balanced going forward? Because I think when the Brighton League Cup game comes up, again, we're going to be having these same kind of discussions. Yeah. Um, I think for the PSV game, we, if, we, if we beat them, we don't come top guaranteed. So we still need to go away and do a job. But we've got the Zurich home game. I think it's don't the final we? game. Trust me, mate. 
<laughs> no, we should have PSV twice, right? Yeah. What do we have? What do we have left? We got PSV twice and Zurich uh, one more time, right? So, um, and so Zurich game, I think, oh, is the last one. Okay. Yeah. Do we have to say one more time? Mm-hmm. We do, don't we? Yeah. Uh, 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 do we have to see one more time? I mean, yeah, at home. We do. We yeah. do, yeah. We do. And so that's your, that's your one Zurich. Yeah. Yeah. I'm all messed up by the, the, the PSV game moving. <laughs> yeah, so PSV home games is a, is a key game. But really, I'm looking at really resting people for the the Zurich game, the last game, because I think that rolls close to Chelsea away, which is an important game, right? So just do the mm-hmm. job so you can free your legs for Chelsea I think the important thing from these games is we learn about rotation which I think we are doing if we hope to be a Champions League team next year then we've got to get used to these levels of games we just got used to playing once a week and we always think about resting people and taking people out well you sometimes just got to play the good thing is you haven't got to play the whole game you can start and do an hour and do a half hour at the end and we seem to have learned that really well as we spoke earlier, I thought the use of Tommy Ass in this game, for example, was very, very smart compared to what it was at the start of the year. He's had two hard games in a row. Don't make him have a third hard game in a row. Make him come on late. That's really smart. That's, that means we're learning about people's bodies, how they react to intense games in a row. And maybe stop, we stop bringing back people early from injury. Again, if you've got a bit more depth, you don't take that risk. And so it's all a step forward, Elliot, for me. Um... And while we can sit here and say, oh, I don't want him to play, I don't want him to play, I tell you what, mate, mate, I like winning. And I like the feeling of winning. And there's a winning feeling around the club. I don't want it to stop, really. I don't want to open up new questions at the moment. I just want it to continue as long as it can. There's always something out there that's an unco- uncontrollable uh, waiting to get you when you least expect it. Mm, yeah, I, I don't know. I think the... It's it, this is always one of those things that runs the risk of being um, post hoc analysis, like hindsight being twenty twenty. Because if that little tackle, that not great tackle on Odegaard, you saw w- what's wrong with plastic pitches there, right? Do you guys remember the tackle? He, there's there's a sort of slightly studs up tackle on his yeah. top of his foot, and on a grass pitch, the foot would just push away, and he'd just fall to the ground. It'd be sort of nothing, but on the plastic pitch, the toe sticks in. And he rolls the ankle a little. Now, look, if that happens to me, I'm in a cast for 12 weeks. But these guys have you know, ankles that are tested and, and worked out and flexible and nothing happened to him. But you can sort of see the problem with these plastic pitches. And if that turns out to be nasty, we do different analysis. So I'd like to try to at least be consistent in saying my preference while acknowledging you can get hurt anywhere, I think on a plastic pitch, it's maybe a little bit more of a consideration. But I, I accept at the same time that we could have lost this game. You know, we played with a hodgepodge team. We could have lost this game. And you lose this game, and suddenly you're just making that life a little bit more uncomfortable. And suddenly you're staring in the face, if you finish second in the group, at playing a Champions League, a parachuted-in Champions League team in an extra round of the knockout rounds of this tournament. So taking this a little bit seriously and winning it does still have quite a reward. I'm just, you know, I'm always learning about the game. In, in fact, uh, we did two rewatches of the Liverpool game this week. Tim did one of them, Clive, by the way, and I, I do just want to point out that I got a lot of really interesting tactical insight from that. So, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's coming for you directly. I'm just saying, you know, we always have to up our game and, and, and see, who's, see who's that next man off the bench, you know? I'm wondering yeah, if you're feeling that pressure. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm feeling that pressure, I suppose. Like I always say to you, you never arrive, do you? You never arrive. You've got to con- 
continuously I, well, update right. your inputs. I, I do always say that. You're right. Did, <laughs> mm, mm. Clive, you're only, as, that, that I, yeah, you're only as good as your last insight, Clive. You're only as good as your last insight. That's another exactly. one that we've come up with, Paul. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Just just keep sharpening that. Keep sharpening those ideas, Clive, and, and you'll stay on top, I promise you. Uh, Paul. Pointy, pointy I, ideas. I don't really... I don't really have anything for you. No, I'm kidding. Let's talk about the players that actually have something to show in this game because I think, you know, no one cares how Odegaard played really. I mean, if you can get worked up about how Odegaard played on a Thursday in Norway, in the Europa League, I mean, more power to you. I can't. What I can get worked up about is how the players who are fighting to be a part of the team or to show us something played. So that that's always more interesting for me to look at. So, Paul, did you... One of the players I think we should talk about is probably the man of the match, and that's Matt Turner. Now, it's not great in the Europa League when your goalkeeper is the man of the match, but this really wasn't nothing match. The reason I think it matters is this moved the needle for me on Matt Turner a little bit from, I don't know if we've got a guy I'd want playing for us, to he seems like a tolerable backup keeper, right? The, The kind of backup keeper a top six club would have. I'm not saying he's Ramsdale. I'm not saying I want him playing at the weekend, but this... This brought him back to the level I sort of think you'd want to see from a backup keeper. So did, did you get a similar sense of competency out of Matt Turner here? I thought in, in a match that no one's going to remember, I certainly think his performance was creditable. Yeah. Um, you and I have both been a bit nervous because I think he's been a bit nervous. Yes, absolutely. Understandably in his games so far. I mean, it's a big jump, a big change, um, and... You know, you get dropped into these situations and you're suddenly supposed to be at the level. <clears throat> yeah, this was a big, big step up, I thought, in the Matt Turner um, arc, career arc, that uh, Clive has been pushing all along. Give the guy time, give the guy a chance, etc., etc. So, uh, kudos to Clive, uh, uh, unkudos to me and Elliot for being perhaps nervy because... Matt Turner looked a little nervy. I thought he was very good in this. I thought his distribution was good. Uh, he's supposed to be good at throwing the ball. Um, and when you think about it, you can throw the ball to a lot of the places you kick the ball. So being throw, being able to throw is good. His 1v1s, uh, his positioning, not that I'm any kind of goalkeeping expert, but he seemed to fill the goal pretty well when we got ourselves into some dicey situations multiple times in this game. Made a couple of good saves, came for some claims on crosses. And just using the Almunia index, because, you know, uh, one of the issues with Almunia was not so much that he wasn't a skilled and capable goalkeeper. It was the how how nervous did he make everybody else in the stadium and on the pitch look. And Matt Turner brought a certain level of presence and chill that I don't think, understandably, was necessarily there beforehand. So I thought he brought a... But we probably need a different factor, not the Almunia factor. We need the reverse factor. Somebody very, very calm and reassuring as a goalkeeper. The David Seaman factor, I don't know. Uh, you know, he, he moved up to a, maybe a five on that uh, in terms of just his presence on the pitch, uh, giving players around him the confidence. I mean, that's all feely stuff, but, you know, it, it doesn't have to be positive feely because I had the negative feeling feelies a little bit on the previous game. So I thought very good from him. Uh, like the other player I thought was significant in this um, 
you know, a, a young player we could talk about, Nelson, a, a more experienced player. I thought this was an important game for Tierney um, for a few reasons. Um, um, he played 90 minutes, which in a way surprises me because of the nature of the pitch and the, mm. his biggest challenge being staying fit and not getting tweaks and, and twiggles. I don't know if twiggles are a thing. No, nope, um, they're not. <clears throat> they're not a thing, but, but nope. they are for Kieran Tierney is the problem. Um, Fair enough. And so that surprised me a little bit, especially in cold weather. I know he loves cold weather, but maybe his muscles and his twiggles don't. And um, I don't actually think... He, he actually carried all of his kit uh, in a Tesco bag back to the Emirates by foot in shorts and, and, and short sleeves. It was strange to see him running around the pitch with the bag, but I guess it's a <laughs> yeah. tyranny thing. Um, yeah. And like, I actually didn't think he had... It doesn't matter... I don't think he had a good game for him in terms of building confidence and those kinds of things. And he's got an inordinate amount of competition suddenly at suddenly. left back with Zinchenko, with Tommy Yasu. Zinchenko for the more attacking games, Tommy Yasu for the critical defensive games. Um, he's got a lot on his plate, that fella. But, and again, you don't read too much into it. But as a senior player, that was the one player I thought, uh, you know, this was, this would be important for him. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying it's important to his career and to his art, but it's important to how he feels about how he's doing. And I, I actually think he had kind of a tough game in this one. Um, I suspect playing 90 minutes means he's probably not starting at the weekend. That that would be my guess. And I don't know if that's because it'll be Tomiyasu or if Zinchenko's back. But I think we can certainly read that much into it. Um, and we'll see. Clive, quickly on Matt Turner, did you did you agree that he... <coughs> You know, had a better game. I mean, I was pretty shocked at how aggressively you went in two-footed on him previously. So, do you want mm. to provide? No, that? don't be silly. I suppose um, what I will say. <laughs> don't be silly. Said, what, what else am I going to do then? What am I here for? <laughs> I think it's it's what you know. Goalkeeping is something that um, not everyone understands. And, and by the way, I'm learning about it too. Right? And so, the reason why I gave him a break is that I think. He's an outstanding athlete. Now, the way modern goalkeeping is going, they are very, very slim and athletic, right? So you look at him and you think, you're an athlete. Mm -hmm. Look at Fraser Forster. Look at Nick Pope. If you said to me, would I prefer Nick Pope in, in our goal? I wouldn't take him. The reason why, he cannot move. Mm. He's stuck in his box, big lump, built, putting on muscle, can't move. That's not what we need. Now, Matt it does Turner, feel like an obstacle to playing football. You know? <laughs> he makes big saves because he's a big unit, but that's it, right? So that's not what we need. We need an agile goalkeeper that can move, that can sprint. Matt Turner's fast. He's a sweeper keeper. He's fast. He's got big feet. He can whoosh it 100 miles. Some of his technical stuff is a little bit not quite there yet. Some of his passing just needs to lock his ankle on his clip. As he goes to fade, it just needs to... Keep practicing that. Keep practicing that. When he goes out to left fullback, although I thought he got way better in this game. And the reason why you can project a technical improvement, you can always do that if someone's got fast feet. They can move their feet. They can move. Their, you can get yourself in shape to receive the ball and then clip it and move it however you want. When you've got someone who's got heavy, slow feet, there is no chance then to improve. So when you see someone who started playing football at 15 and found himself an Arsenal football club by the age of 28, that means he's got something about him as a person. He's got an amazing character to get to the top of the American game, to get out of there, to go to Europe, to go to a, a top 
20 club in Europe. It used to be a top six club in Europe. We'll hopefully get back there one day and get into our first team squad. I think it's an exceptional bit of recruitment to have that type of individual as your second goalkeeper, knowing he's got everything to gain, adds level of experience as a, just as a more mature man, but also he's so inexperienced in our game. So we get the experience of the character, but we lose, but we sort of have the inexperience of basically, I don't want to dismiss the MLS, but it's potentially championship league one level. So he's making a jump up to premiership level. And so he has to get used to that. Once he got used to that, I felt in the last game, he started to show a bit of authority. In this game, I, showed, I thought he showed more authority. And I think he started to convince people. But as I project forward, I only see him getting better as he becomes more comfortable in all the aspects we to get him better at. And I think that's the most important thing, yeah. really. And imposter syndrome is a thing for everybody. And there is that moment where you you get somewhere in your career, you get somewhere in your life, and you feel like you're an imposter. I don't belong here. And I'm sure at this stage of his that's career, to make the leap from MLS, where he played very little, to being at the Emirates Stadium, right, in London, on the grand stage, well, in Norway, on the grand stage on a Thursday night, but you get my point. Like, there's going to be that, I don't belong here. Why? What am I doing here? You've got to get through that and feel like you belong. And maybe this was the first moment of him getting out of his headspace of, it's Arsenal, that the cannon, you know, sits heavy on the chest, to just feeling like I'm a footballer at a football club where I belong and, and I'm going to do my job. So I think that there is a psychological component. You know, keepers, maybe more than any other player, there's a psychological component to it. And maybe, just maybe, he's he's starting to move past that imposter syndrome phase of his of his moment at Arsenal. I'd love to do some quick hits on other players in this game. Maybe not deep dives, but quick hits. The thing I want to say is that I thought every player struggled with their touch and their passing on this pitch. I I think Saka did. When Martinelli came on, I think he did. I think Thomas Partey did. So I don't, I, I don't want to overly analyze the players who aren't starters for the kinds of things that I think even the regular starters struggled with. One of the players that I, I think we're really trying to focus on is Sambi Lakanga. Because in our first 11 right now, there is one player who feels very irreplaceable in terms of having someone else in that. Now look, Jesus is irreplaceable. Sack and Martinelli are irreplaceable. But, you know, if you had to throw in some of the other guys that are there, you feel you could get by briefly. There's a lot, there's a sense that we can't do that with Thomas Party, whether that sense is correct or not. I think, Paul, that where I am with Sambi is... On the ball, he's pretty good. He could work on his intensity is not the word I'm looking for, but urgency with which he moves the ball, the the sort of the pace of his passing, just giving it a little bit more oomph when he to get it there. But his off the ball work, I think, is an issue. And that position in particular in our system, I mean all the positions right now require yourself thinking through the game so carefully in terms of your positioning. But when I watch Sambi, I see two players. I see an on-the-ball player that I really like and have a lot of belief in and an off-the-ball player that I think is still really some distance from where he needs to be. And I'm curious if you get the same the same sense of him or something a little different. Yeah, no, I think that's right. Um, I'd actually say this was the one player whose touch and passing in the game was really good. Yeah, um, on the ball he was doing pretty well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, very well, I'd say. 
uh, considering the game. There was some clever passing. He did the one-two with Saka for the goal. Okay, it didn't require an Odegaard mastermind viewing of the <laughs> no. of the play, but still, he was bright and alive to it. And I think he had plenty of those good passes, progressive passes. You know, he's not a side to side guy necessarily. Uh, he does look for the pass. Uh, he's good on the ball. He's he progresses us. Um, you know, you you see Clive's talk uh, well and comprehensively about. Uh, his movement off the ball and the way he runs. Um, I think there's another component to it, which is you see it with certain players. They just feckin' love the physical side of the game, the duel, the tackle. They just It just lights them up. <clears throat> now, you don't have to go to Roy Keane levels, but you got your, you know, Ben White's an interesting example. He could play in four or five different positions around the pitch. Mm-hmm. He could be a midfielder. Um but one of the things you see about him, he fucking loves the duel. He loves that yeah. 1v1. He loves winning. He loves imposing himself on the other guy. You see it with certain players. Jesus is like that. Right? Yeah. It yeah, does, yeah. doesn't have to be a defensive player, right? Jesus <clears throat> loves loves the contact, loves the duel, brings the best out of him. Absolutely loves it. And, like, I've seen bits of games where Sambi gets stuck in because he, he needs to or he has to. Uh But I just don't get that sense that that's where his emotional landscape lives most of the time. It's not why he lives and loves to play football. And I think, like, it's kind of a bit soft factory. But And it just goes back to the intensity. He just needs that intensity even more off the ball. Where he's Like, I I think he's smart. I mean, any time I've heard him talk and the way he... You see him alert and alive and looking around and scanning. It's not, it, it's not that he doesn't have the, for me, the physicals necessarily. He, he, like, I think we'd see more intensity in his running if he was more intense about the off-the-ball part. <laughs> Maybe. You know what's interesting? You guys are going to kill me. But you know what analog I see here a little <clears throat> bit is Matteo Ganduzzi. Because on the ball, Ganduzzi had it all. And off the ball... He wasn't always where he needed to be. He would be a step behind because he wasn't in the right position. And look at what they did with Ganduzi when he went to Marseille. They moved him into an attacking midfield position where he sort of thrived and maybe had some of those responsibilities taken away from him. And what are we saying with Sambi? Ah, oh, maybe he's more eight than six. And I do wonder if it's a similar issue of just not quite getting there off the ball. Clive, I don't want to get too stuck into this point, but I don't want to shut you out of it. I mean, do you do you think that that's a pretty accurate analysis. Usually when I ask that question, you shake your head no, and then you tell us <laughs> what's really happening. But I got, I'm hoping I got a couple. Of, you, might, you might find some agreement here. Yeah, I, I think yeah, I think, um, I think he spoke wonderfully, both of you. But, hold on a second, hold on a second. You take a screenshot of this moment <laughs> hanging on the wall. Okay. No, I, th- I think, I just want to, just want to lay on top, really. Um, I I have a worry Can about say, the reason you think we we talked wonderfully is because we mostly agreed with things you had said in the past. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I think um, thoughtful. I I have a worry about him actually. I have a I have a worry, and I'm I'm not sure he's going to learn the lessons he needs to learn here without maybe going out on loan. Mm. And people think, oh, we can't afford to lose him. Well, actually. If Onelli comes back in January and we make a buy, we can afford to loan him, right? So that's and that could be the smart way to develop your assets, yeah. right? So 
And that's what you that's what you do. You loan him and you make sure you develop him. Because I think he's a, the sort of player that's struggling not playing. Struggling emotionally, not being relied upon. Because when he was relied upon at the start of his Arsenal career, way ahead of time, he was excellent. Since he's been had the doubts come in, I think he's dropped away a little bit. And I, you know, I worry about his ability to recognise when to turn up the tap intensity-wise, when to snap in, when to go up the level. It's in there, but he's trapped. So he needs to go and learn it out on loan every single week. I also think the number six position is changing regard to the attributes. You know, we've all grown up with the, could we put a centre back in there? Right? So, and I think we've always felt that anyone can go in there, just stand there. I, I've even said in the past, Callum Chambers could do a job there. If Eric Dyer can play for England there, Callum Chambers could do a job there. But my education has, has, has grown since then, and football has changed significantly since then. And I'm wondering now, we're focused, we need a six with a party, we just need an eight. An eight with defensive attributes that can attack, that can travel. Centre, centre midfielders now are all versions of number eights in my mind. You know, Odegaard is a an attacking eight. Vieira is an attacking eight. You know, Partey's a two-way eight. Douglas Louise is a two-way eight. They can play six or eight. This is what I mean by this. See where I'm going. And Sambi potentially is a two-way eight. At the moment, we're relying on in our system to be a, a lone six with people on the edge of the roundabout, put a lot of responsibility on you and the light shining on you. So I, I do think this level of education needs to happen yeah. here. Now, and, you know, we speak about characters. Well, not we. The club speak about characters. I listened to a fantastic interview on with Michael Calvin on a BT Sport podcast the other week of Arteta, and he spoke about how he wants characters ahead of talent. Sambi's character has been tested right now, much like Kieran Tierney's is. Let's see who bounces back first. And we were to have a bet. Yeah. Where would you put our money? Right? So, I mean, this is where I am at the moment with this yeah, one. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, I... I don't know. I mean, I... I I do want to say, though, that the next time someone's planning to come to me, be like, oh, that Clive Palmer. Oh, his, his insight's just... Oh, Clive. He just said... Remember, Clive Palmer wanted Callum Chambers to play number six for Arsenal Football Club. Yeah, so, I did. I did. And I also wanted I also mind. wanted Julia Hoylett to be bought on a free transfer many years ago. We go through these rhythms and emotions, right? And um so I got no but but you know, if Eric Dyer can play for England number six, then that's how football has changed in literally three, four years. He played in a World Cup quarter final, mate. Do you see what I mean? Oh, and that wasn't so long ago. Yeah. Right? And this yeah. is how football's developing. And what I'm trying to outline Un- to you... Undroppable. Undroppable. <laughs> what I'm trying to outline to you that it's developing again right in front of our eyes. We need to stop this centre-back and play there. That's gone. Right? We need proper players yeah. that can do lots of stuff. Do you know what I mean? And Sambi's a developing player, but yeah. character-wise, I have a, a worry that he's struggling with the fact he's not being relied upon. Hell, even the guys we used to think could play center back can't play center back anymore because you got to be able to play football. Um, <laughs> exactly. But there you go. Eric Dyer, undroppable. Trent Alexander-Arnold, unpickable. Sort it out, Southgate. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, looking further up the pitch, I'll level with you with Reese Nelson. I'll just come out and say it. My name is Elliot Smith, and I have no idea how good Reese Nelson is. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if he's good. I don't know if he's not good. I know when he was younger, he 
had a couple of loans that were encouraging. He had some injuries that held him back. Then he went into the phantom zone. I don't know what a Reese Nelson is at this point. And I sort of wonder if Reese Nelson feels the same way. I think it is possible to lose your football career at times when you're on loan, when you're in the squad, but you're not playing and you're not on loan, but you're not with the reserves. You're too old to play with. I mean, Reese Nelson is, I think, Eddie and Ketty's age. And Eddie and Ketty, oh, by the way, is probably looking at this going, yeah, they gave me good money. Did I make the right choice? Am I going to play enough? Am I comfortable with 10 minutes at the end of Premier League games that we're winning or where we're chasing it? And Reese Nelson is even further behind that. And I think this was a game where Nelson ran around a lot and wanted to be involved. I, I think the pitch was bad again. I, I don't want to criticize him for stuff that Saka was struggling with too. But for me, Paul, I think it's pretty clear that Reese Nelson's career is going to be somewhere else. And that's okay. I mean, look at Alex Iwobi. And to be fair, Alex Iwobi had more of an Arsenal career than Nelson has had. He was the starter for many years. But, you know, he goes off to Everton. He finally finds a position that suits him. And he's, he's really smashing it right now. But... Reese Nelson is a player that I don't think we're ever going to really see what he is at Arsenal. And sometimes for the player, for the club, for everybody involved, you got to look at a situation and say, it's not going to happen because there isn't going to be the opportunity for it to. And, and I don't, I, I think you got to call time on this one, don't you? Yeah. Um, but he's here for some reason. Um, and it's a little bit of a head scratcher. Maybe, Maybe just a, a numbers game, right? We didn't get that extra wide player in, and it's one of those, uh, you know, for the Europa League, for a night like this, yeah. you know, it's him and Marquinhos. You're talking about a, a guy who's basically not played for us in Nelson and a, a teenage uh, guy coming from another continent who's never played football for us. So, like, is it to just make up the numbers, perhaps? Maybe a little bit that. Maybe a little bit he wasn't physically, mentally ready to... Uh, kind of make a move somewhere and he's been with the club for a long time and he's good relationships and they like him and they like his what he brings generally and it's kind of like it just wasn't the time to do it and yes we literally needed the numbers um like i would say in terms of performances there, there wasn't a lot to pick through here but he was for me he was bright in the first half or brighter brighter than i've seen him in the first his first couple of showings, which were never very long. I mean, he did uh, have a good run here for, uh, in this game, but uh, I think we yanked him around, what, 60 minutes or something like that. So he had a 60-minute mm -hmm. run. I thought his first half was, let's just say, it, uh, it, it attracted the eye. He, see, he didn't do anything huge, but he looked like he was giving them problems. He looked like he was brighter, sharper, trickier than any of the markers up against him. Don't know that it amounted to a whole hill of beans, but I'm like, oh, okay, this is this is looks like it might be promising. In the second half, he kind of flatlined. Uh, it was kind of the Reese Nelson we've seen in previous ten minute outings here and there, and it just he get the ball, didn't really get to do anything with it, would give it back to somebody or run into a cul-de-sac. Like, mm -hmm. uh, and the problem for him is maybe if he kept getting these opportunities that he would build some confidence because he is a player. He has skills. Uh, you know, he's great in training He on the way up to this point. But certain players just don't bring that personality. To, might be a version of imposter syndrome or when they get up to the big levels against physical players, their, their bit of brilliance just doesn't shine in the same way. The matchups don't really suit them. And But... What he needs is a bunch of these games 
for him to slowly build confidence and get up there. But he's, it's about to run out. We're going There's three more Europa League games. I'm not sure he gets 60 minutes in all of those either for different reasons, different things, uh, different factors that the manager has to select for. Obviously, if the manager wants to give him three games in a row, he can do that. And it might make him a strong enough option where he starts coming in and getting sub minutes. But I'm with you. I, I you know, if if I got to put money on it, um, the window, he really needed to be playing the first couple of Europa League games, uh, impressing when he came on to get any minutes and mm-hmm. uh, so that he was further along at this point. He's only got three more Europa League group games to shine. And it seems like, seems short. Yeah. Yeah, I just, like, we, we love our academy players, and we should. They are as arsenal as a player can get, and so we want to root for them. There is a point in their career where we're doing them no good, just waiting for them to show us who they are, because they need to go somewhere else to show that. And if I'm sitting here, at this point in Reese Nelson's career, saying, I don't really have a sense of what he is or how good he is, you might be saying, well, who cares what you have a sense of? Which is fair. But, like, I, I think that tells you that the level of opportunity has not been what it needs to be for this player. And that's not an accident. You know, Bukayo Saka isn't playing as much as he is by accident. Martinelli, at his age, isn't playing as much as he is by accident. You know, there are, there are younger players being given more opportunity, not because they're lucky or preferenced, but because they, they showed it. They showed it clearly enough that they couldn't be kept out. And I do think that if you're good enough, you're old enough is, is a thing. So, Clive, I'm, I'm ready to wrap for me on, on Nelson. And I don't mean that in a cutthroat way. I mean that in he probably has a, a better place for him to shine and we probably have a different path to walk. So w- where do you come down on that idea? Yeah, I think we go, well, obviously, this, this trajectory keeps going as a club. Um, Reese Nelson may not come on the, the entire journey. And that that's fine, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. But just to mitigate some of the issues he's had, he's, he's had an injury. That's his first start for three yep. months, first start. So just think back to Kieran Tierney's injury preseason, how they gave him half hour here, a few minutes here, and they built him up. And again, he's now playing a full game. Maybe he plays one of his first full games, right? So, so... We had yeah. ten minutes in the last game. We had an hour in this game. He might get he might get half hour next game towards the end. I, th- I can see why they're building him up as a football player. I worry about his impact to get at the top level. I think um, I think he struggles with it a little bit. But this time last year, I was worried about Eddie Nketiah, and I'm less worried about Eddie Nketiah right now. Arteta spoke glowingly of Eddie Nketiah, and I do I didn't have those feelings when he missed the back post header at Everton. Um, but I've I'm learned now to just hold my horses a little bit, just wait and see, give him a chance to to start, get fit. I I feel as though we're going to a place where he won't go, but I think he can do more. And the role he played yesterday was incredibly important to us. We may find that out on Sunday when we play Leeds, because he enabled a superstar forward who absolutely just ripped it against Liverpool to sit on his backside for an hour. And that's really important. That's all right. part of what we're trying yep. to achieve. And he didn't let us down in that period. I thought he was fine. I thought he was sensible. And he did what we needed to do. And and that's important. That's very important to where we're heading. Because one of the reasons, Elliot, why people like Gary Neville don't trust us is the depth of our squad. 
Well, you can create depth by creating resting Fair. time for the the players that we really know that are at the level, you know? And Maurice Nelson, Marquinhos and Vieira and Matt Chan are critical to that, you know, to allow these guys to not just rest, but mentally rest. You know, very important that is for the overall direction where we're heading because we've got a lot of games in a short period of time. I think that's well said. Um, I, I think I could probably draw some distinctions between Enkedia and Nelson. Um, you know, e- even at the margins, I think Enkedia was more in the plan at Arsenal, um, even at his low ebb, than, than maybe Enkedia was. But, I, I mean, than, than Nelson has been. But I take your point. I mean, things can change very quickly in football. And yeah, I'm just giving him a chance, really. And I, I think your general point is correct. Yep. But what I will say, these these games, you know this game yesterday is sticking in no one's memory. But actually, these are the games you actually do need to remember. And I'm going to tell you why, right? This is a window into into our squad. Whenever you get a window into our squad, just to sit there and imagine us going to a big game without Gabriel Jesus... And say to yourself, what are we missing? You know, the first thing I noticed was the lack of physicality, <laughs> the lack of physicality at the top yeah. end of our pitch, the lack of movement and power to move people, to threaten people. I noticed that gap. Now, you could say, actually, Clive, they were all jogging through it, and quite right, they were jogging through this game. But just have a little look yep. Yep. and tell myself, you know, what do you, what do you feel? You know, what do you feel that's missing? Because this is the next phase. You know, this is the next phase. The people are giggling at us right now, top of the league. They just wait for it to fold. They're looking at these players saying the gap's too big. They, they're not going to develop on. Eddie, has Eddie got the physicality? Can he carry a front line on his own? These are the questions that the Gary Nevilles are asking themselves quietly while giving us a bit of faint praise. And these are the things that Arteta's trying to coach away and develop. So these guys are a window into our risk factor for us getting to where we need to get to. They really are important. And one thing that came out of this game, I don't, can I just ask you a question? Was Cedric on the bench? Uh, I, I, I guess. I can't promise I'm going to answer it. <laughs> well, I just wonder why it just disappeared from, well, I wonder why it disappeared from view. You know, so it's, it's well, almost... Been injured. Cedric yeah, he has, has been injured. Been carrying an injury. Just like just like Nelson has, but he's made a couple of squads now, and he's not getting any minutes, right? So I just wondered, mm. and maybe we're he was on the bench. Yeah, on the bench. We me and Tim were talking about it last mm. night. As 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 the team moved away from him, moved past him, you know, just like that, you know, and, and so things, you know, I thought Cedric could have come on for Tierney towards the end and give him a bit of a rest, you know, because he was flagging towards yeah. the end. There are things happening in this group. There's a window into the underbelly of our squad. And that's why these games are never on things I throw away. They're, they're reminders to me of how we need to do stuff in January and next summer, what we need to do and what attributes we need to add. Yeah, that, that's fair. I, in general, too, and I think we all have to realize this, if you want to get all the way to the top of the mountain, every position has to get better. Every expectation has to be increased. The, the starters have to be better than the starters used to be, and the squad players have to be better than the squad players used, ha, used to be. And suddenly players like a Rob Holding, who were good enough to maybe even occasionally start a game, or a Nelson who could have a view of being a squad player who could find their way. Maybe that rising level is a level that they no longer quite reach. Uh, you know, and I think Holding is another great example of that. I think Clive really pointed my eye to this. A player who drops too deep, whose instinct is to drop off, 
And I think that creates vulnerability. And while Saliba looked a little half-assed in this game and did get run past and did make some mistakes, I still think you see that Rob Holding's instinct to drop off creates problems. Um, you know, and and he's a, a great example of a player <clears throat> who last season was coming in to lock it down, right? Five three two or whatever, and and that's the game. Lock it up now. You know, I absolutely believe that if we needed to bring on a center back, if Tomiyasu's on the bench. He's probably coming in to play center back before Rob Holding is. You know, so this is how a rising level changes the position of the players at the margins of the squad. Um, you know, if we're going to talk about rising our level, let's talk about a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. Uh, I think it's interesting because when we talk about football, we we were just talking earlier in this um, episode about imposter syndrome, right, and the things that we go through in life that hold us back. In football, a lot of them are physical or, or talent-oriented, but they are mental as well, and that's true in our life. And I just think that mental health is one of those areas of maximum opportunity to improve our quality of life that we put minimum effort and focus into. We think nutrition, we think exercise, we think career advancement or whatever the case may be, education. But mental health is something that we often overlook or think we don't that's not something you get help with. And it absolutely is something you get help with to solve problems. And BetterHelp is, is a phenomenal service for doing it. It's, it's a way to get connected with a professional who may be a specialist in an area you need that may not be available in your location. It's a way to connect with someone quickly, right? Within a day, you can, you can be connected with a therapist that's a good fit for you. It's a way to do it anonymously. If you want to go camera off, you can. You can change therapists if you need to. It's also much more affordable. And entirely online. So it fits your life where you are. Your uh, uh, affordability no longer has to be an obstacle to getting the help you need. When you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can get you there. Visit betterhelp.com slash vision today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash vision. Betterhelp.com slash vision. Go there now. Save 10% on your first month. And Shopify. <clears throat> Cha-ching! That sound you hear is another sale for your business. Look, Shopify is the absolute best platform empowering small businesses, even one-person businesses, you, to go compete with e-commerce giants. You want to sell on TikTok, on Facebook, on Instagram, or just on a website, Shopify will get you there. Shopify lets you build professional-looking sites with drag-and-drop uh, instant site creation. You can plug things into it. So you can start selling right away. You can sell product you don't even physically have with dropship solutions, meaning basically someone else has the product, but you're selling it on your website. And that means you don't have to manage inventory and things like that. They guide you through all the setup. They guide you through the payment processing. They give you everything you need to be up and running with a fully professional-looking, feature-rich e-commerce solution for your business. And, you know, again, you might think, oh, do I need an e-commerce solution? What if you just want to sell on TikTok or Instagram? What if you want to sell in person? They have point of sale systems for that. Try Shopify out today. Start selling anywhere. I've used it, by the way. We used it for our merch store as well. You can get a free trial at shopify.com slash arsenalvision. All lowercase. Not sure why that's case sensitive, but it is. Shopify.com slash arsenalvision. Go to shopify.com slash arsenalvision to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash arsenalvision. Arsenal Vision. Clive, is that enough of that? Indeed. Nailed it. They should pay us for that. I'm telling you. Just for that. Just for that. Um, okay. 
So, Paul, let's shift gears. I mean, we, we could really go mm-hmm. further on Enkedia's game and, and, and Holdings' game. But, like, again, plastic pitch, nothing game, played at half speed, hodgepodge of players. I'd rather look ahead to Leeds. I think yeah. that's interesting. I, I do want to just touch on this, though. Gary Neville, you know, a lot of people say, oh, why do we care what other people say? In general, I don't. But I do think it's an interesting point he raises where he says, oh, to make, to make the Arsenal fans happy, I'll say they're in a title race. But actually, I think they're still in a really tough race for top four. I think they'll they'll be really fortunate to get there. I think Scott's model, which is not infallible, as we know from last season, has us at about 90% to be in a Champions League place at the end of the season. We are almost a quarter of the way through the season on almost maximum points. It's about as good as you can ask for. Just about. Because maximum points would be as good as you can ask for. I don't know if people know that, but that's that's how that works. Paul, what's your take? Not Not necessarily on the, like... Um, issue of Gary Neville's comment, but maybe the substance of his point that we are actually still very much in a top four battle versus what some of us would prefer to be thinking of for our season. I think when you reflect his point in that way, the substance of his point is correct. It's just, that's not really how he says it. He says it in a way that he doesn't trust Arsenal. <clears throat> that um, There's a dismissiveness about it, I agree. Yeah. It's like, he doesn't say it the way he would say it about, say, Chelsea last year or Spurs last year when he thought they were on track for top four. There's a confidence that they're worthy of it, whereas with us, it's a confidence that we're not worthy of it or a suspicion that we're not worthy of it. And he keeps asking, is this team for real? And like all these kinds of questions. And he talks about how uh, he, he saw Arteta, you know, potentially getting the sack the way the end of last like he just has no feel for where the manager's at where the club's at he talks about you know the excitement in the ground but he doesn't seem to realize that excitement was there for most of last year it's just reached a new level this year and it's been here all year it's not the liverpool game it's not the north london derby it's every feckin' game um, I mean, it's a trivial thing. I watched his overlap thing and the song came up, the Louis Dunford, Dunford song. And like, again, it's like people are like suspicious as about like it's some kind of manufactured thing. Uh, Pippa Monique was was the the fan on that. And like at least like she spoke up quickly and well that this was something from a local singer that like like and all of these parts of it, this is the the tapestry that's been woven here, like you can't fake it, you can't make it. It's something that has evolved. It's organic on the one side. And it's a really good, solid team. And that's that's the biggest issue I have with, with Neville. He's never said anything that makes me think he actually thinks we're not just getting results or having good performances, that there's something consistently good in place here that's not going to go belly up when it gets to, and he's all you know he's a classic they don't like it up um get stuck in all this kind of football-y jargony stuff like a classic uh fullback would come out with like that's just how they see the game like he's not he has no bigger picture for mm-hmm. what's going on at a club specifically this club but his point that like we're not in a title race necessarily like there's a lot more to go before you convince me that's the race we're in um i don't mind it i don't mind people talking about it like we are a point ahead 
They got a, a draw against Liverpool at the weekend would be fantastic as a result. We we had a little chat on Twitter last night. I think you were in favour of, um, you know, Liverpool winning, City losing because Liverpool are so way back. But like things happen quickly in football. We've seen Liverpool get their shit together and go on a charge in the second half of the season. So I'm yeah. I'm more scared of Liverpool than maybe you are. Oh, but I yeah yeah. But to the point of the top four, yeah, he's right. That is the battle we're in, and those guys will come again. They're not like they're not very far away. One or two of them have a game in hand. They're like four mm. or five points back. You just list, and like I've talked to Scott about his model. We might be at whatever eighty something, ninety percent. It doesn't. It's not actually a prediction model. It's it's basically saying if the teams play the way they're playing going forward, it doesn't take account for all of the things that happen in life. Sure, a change sure. of manager, the World Cup, signings in January, sign, injuries, injuries. Of course, I look. I don't. Here's the way I think about this because I, I want to be. <clears throat> I want to be careful not to just fall into argument mode and take the other side. Of yeah. course we're in a top four battle. The Premier League is good. The teams behind us are still close. Maybe we're not in it with Liverpool. Maybe we are. But we're in it. We are also in a title race. We are 25-ish percent of the way through the season and we're top of the table. If you cannot get behind the idea that Arsenal Football Club, top of the table through a quarter of the season, are in a title race, then we are never going to set that expectation. You, we talked about this on a previous episode. You don't get to decide when the time is right for a title race because sometimes the time seems right and your two best players get injured and the other teams are on a tear and you never get into a title race. And sometimes you're Leicester. We're not Leicester, by the way. We're Arsenal. It's a big difference. And the other teams fall away. What if Liverpool beat City this weekend and Holland turns his ankle and misses three games and City somehow draw their next two? I mean, at some point you need luck, but you also have to believe what you're doing. If we play this way, the rest of the season will come top four. That will take care of itself. Are we in a top four battle? Of course we are. You can be in both. You can be in a title race and a top four battle because it could be 92 points to win the title and 84 points to be top four. It literally could be that. I mean, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen, but I just, I just think you have to... Can I to... say something, Elliot? Oh, but sure. Like, I agree with all that. And, like, fans can fan the way they want. I'm not saying what people should or shouldn't think. But mm -hmm. if, if you're correct that we're in a uh, title battle right now, we got there without telling ourselves we're in a title battle. Like, I hear you. To your point... If we keep playing the good football, these things will take care of themselves. Now, at some stage, you are literally in a title battle because there's not that much of the season left and there's two of you going sure, for it. Sure. It's yes. And we're nowhere near that. We've so many... Nowhere near it. Agreed. Have you ever watched the Grand National, that, uh, that horse race? In It's the one with the huge jumps where the horses mm -hmm. fall over. Like, mm -hmm. there's we're... The two, the two horses that are a bit out in front, but they got like two laps to go and those fences are huge. And like, I think you're in a, a race to the line when you come around the final straight and there's two horses at that point and everything else, like, again, people can feel how they want, say what they want, talk how they want. It kind of doesn't matter. The team are where they are because they're playing really good football. And if they keep playing really good football throughout the year, then with 10 games to go, 12 games to go, we will be in a title race. And everything else is just like the pundits need clicks and fans get excited. I get it. 
but I'll like we have so many of those big fences to to clear. Yeah. Teams will go into the market in January and change their seasons like Newcastle did last year. Like there's so many different uh, windows, events to come. It's it's just like yeah, crazy. I, we just like, need to no, I, keep doing what we're doing, have the good feelings. We don't need this extra input. Look okay. where we've gone okay. to without that okay. extra input yep. pressure. Yep. We don't need I, to believe. Like I I listened to the Handbrake Golf podcast and they were they were saying like, but if we don't believe, how can well like we're here without all of that. We don't need that yet. I, I, I look. I get it. Don't heap the pressure on. Just let it happen organically. Like, don't don't press, Don't put the pressure on. Like, that's, that's for the, the players. My yeah. my opinion yeah, yeah. is Fans the way can we fan. are playing. Yeah. Right, the way we are playing is worthy of being considered one of the teams that has a, a shout to be a title winner. It may not prove to be enough, but now we've also played Liverpool, Spurs. We've played United, and even though we lost United, I still think in that game we showed that the same football can be played and we can still, you know, have our our principles of play carry a game. It just didn't go for us. But, Clive, look, like the the reality is we could lose the next three, not be in a title race, really be in a top four race, and finish in the Europa League places and look back on this and feel silly. My point isn't about what's going to happen. My point is more about... I think where we've been the last few years has sort of scared us off from remembering that in terms of spending, we're one of the spendiest clubs in Europe. In terms of just stature and size of our club, we're as big as just about any club in Europe with maybe a a, a small handful of examples. That Arsenal Football Club have every right and expectation to be a team that can go win titles. And we took it for granted that Liverpool could For a decade, Liverpool were absolutely in the wilderness. I mean, with a famous night in Istanbul aside. So, I don't know, Clive. Like, I don't don't have a problem with someone who wants to say, oh, we're still very much in a top four battle, because that's true. I just want people to acknowledge that we are at the top of the table through almost a quarter of the season, rightfully so. And if I want to say to you, I hope Liverpool beat City this weekend, it's because I don't want to just shrug my shoulders at where we are right now and say, well, it could never happen, so we're better off being safe. Let's get let's get Liverpool further behind us. No, I want to get City further behind us because if you can't dream of big things for a season, what are we even doing? What are we doing if we can't if we can't be top of the table at this point and not dream of a little bit bigger than just finishing in in, in the fourth place or third place position, you know? Well, I don't know what I don't know what to answer with that. With that, so what I will say is, um, well, what are we doing? Yeah, well, enjoying what it. I will say, enjoying we, the let's, journey. Let's, let's let's go back to where we started, right? So the first point you made was around Gary Neville, and Gary Neville has to look at the whole league. We're we're Arsenal nerds, right? So we know every single thing that's happened for the last a million years. And so he questions what's happening at our club. And he tends to look at football through the eyes of the, the personality and the stature of the manager. So he looked at Conte, looked at Arteta and went, nah, Conte's going to get him. And you know what? In the end, Spurs got us. I don't think it's anything to do with the manager. I think it's to do with the fact that we are going through a process where we decided we don't care how skinny we get. We're going to start to build a dressing room so the right characters and the right people can get us to this point 
where everybody that's of an arsehole persuasion can barely get to sleep at night waiting for the next game. Right? That doesn't happen unless you make hard decisions to rinse out a dressing room of idiots that could actually help you. And some don't tell, I feel the thing, a couple more goals at the right time, we could have got somewhere, but we're not going to get there in the right way, which means we can't sustain it. It's not about getting to the top four once, it's about getting to the top floor and staying there and positioning ourselves for the changes in football, which are, which are undoubtedly going to happen you know, over the next three to five years. Absolutely, the game was going to change, right? So, so I, it is hard when you're watching your Spurs people around you dancing on our greys and people like Gary Neville getting confirmation without recognising what we're trying to do. And we're trying to do something here that is long-term thinking. And he's starting to realise that the football is well-constructed, modern, and repeatable. If you, if you want to look at the spend, as you mentioned the spend, that spend was necessary spend to rid us of mistakes, basically. You know, talk about not, yeah, let's not mess about with the transfer fees. I wonder about all the payoffs, right? We're still coming out of that. We're still coming out from the people who decided I'm not going to push my career any further. I'm never going to get any more money than I'll get at Arsenal. So I'm sitting right here. And that only slowed the process even further. And we had to work with those people whose motivations were incorrect. I'm not expecting Gary Neville to know those details. I'm not expecting him to care about those details. So I'm not going to care about what people like him say. What I do know is, when I look at games like last night, that is a window into where we need to get better, you know, and how we're going to do it, and how we're going to sustain development of those players that need developing, and how we're going to layer on top of them. And if we focus on that, and focus on making sure we're smarter with our rotation, smarter with our injury prevention, to keep our big players in the right state and fitness, then we can do something. And it's not just a Jesus or a Zinchenko. It's Anna Saliba. Although all that quality helps, it's understanding that every single player in that squad has the same motivations and a common goal to get us where you want to get to. And that's, that's now filtered to the fan base. And that's why when you walk into that ground, there's so many smiling faces, it's ridiculous. You cannot, you cannot con people. They can see it. It's done properly. They can see it. And in the end, people like them will see it too. This, they, some just take longer than others. That's all, mate. Sure. I, I, I agree with a lot of things both of you have said. I, I want to clarify a few things. Firstly, the Premier League has changed permanently. We will never be guaranteed of being a top four side. We will never come top four 20 years in a row again. That will never happen. Now, top four is not going to be a thing anymore, by the way, guys. They're adding another Champions League place for a Premier League team. So it's not going to be top four. It's going to be top five, top six. What's it going to be? Because then you have to start to ask yourself if the goal is only Champions League football, which is an important goal, and I acknowledge that. Is there still a goal to finish above Spurs? Is there still a goal to finish above other rivals? Is the, does the place matter? Is it just Champions League qualification that really matters? I think... There are seven teams in the Premier League who going forward every season will believe they should be finishing in a Champions League place. And they have a right to believe it. City, United, Chelsea, Liverpool, Arsenal, Spurs, Newcastle. 
Those teams every season, season in, season out, will believe they belong in a Champions League place at the end of the season. If Newcastle aren't there yet, I mean, they're, they're two windows away. And you can't make seven go into four. You can't make seven go into five. And the margins are going to be fine. So even if you built correctly, recruited correctly, spent correctly, got the right manager, you can get one wrong injury, you can have one slow start to the season and come sixth, not because you're not good or you've done things dumb, but because that such are the margins in that grouping. And so when a season gives you an opportunity to push on and go for more, it's going to be rare and it's going to have to be taken. Arsenal haven't won a title in 18 years. And it would not surprise me at all if it's another 18 again before we win one. Because that is how hard this league is now. You know, who's won a title since we last won one? City? Chelsea, Leicester, Liverpool. I mean, but basically, United, I guess. But like, City and Chelsea have basically won all the titles with three exceptions in 18 years. It's it's just a really, really difficult thing to do. And so I think when there's a season that looks like maybe it has a little extra something for you, you can't just say, well, our process isn't there yet. And I'm not saying either of you are saying that, by the way. You may have to grab it. But who's say, who's saying this, season, Elliot? Who, you I, may think you're I, even, no, I, I said I, I literally just said I'm not saying either of you are saying. No, that. no, no, because I said exactly that. So, what, what if the window is now? Mm. I said that two, three weeks ago. What if the window is now? Right. But, I know. I, I but, know you did. I know but, you did. But regardless right. of that, regardless of that, if you're part of the club, all you can focus on is mm-hmm. the next thing that you do. Right, and make sure it has, course, is better than the thing you did yesterday. It's all you can focus on, and all those extraneous, extraneous things that are out there. You know, at the start of the season, we're sitting there thinking, "Craggy, how are we going to get top four? And Liverpool may probably suffered on the back of not being able to sell Salah during COVID times, which they would have done. They would have got a hundred million quid for him. They wouldn't have kept him, and then they would have recycled him. They would have recycled that money. They'd probably be top of the tree still. You know, they would have done. So the market forces could tell them. What they try to do, stick or twist, they stuck with the squad. They tried to smash everyone out of the room. Yeah. Went for four trophies, yeah. got two, hearts broken, not recovered yet. We saw enough on Sunday, they're coming back. They are coming back. A draw this Sunday they, they took, suits they me took fine. They out on Rangers in midweek, that's they're, for sure. They're, I watched <laughs> them, and trust me, they've got some things to fix, but there's a core of a very good side there. Still, and there's a core developing yep. underneath that. And we all know about development. Things change very, very quickly. Bernardo Silva at Man City was on his way to Barcelona. What if he went and couldn't replace him? Things change very, very quickly. You cannot sit there and say, I thought, what's the point of waking up, right? You cannot sit there and say that things won't change. They will change eventually, as long as you're smart. If you're dumb, then you don't deserve anything. If you can keep doing smart things, you can change the the future right that's all you can focus on is being smart intelligent keep developing keep growing and then you can put yourself in position for things to go your way if you're not smart if you're not shrewd if you're being played in a market if you're being played by bad attitude players if you're holding on to people you should sell them at the right appropriate time you know there were moments in our recent history where we haven't acted quickly enough and it's cost us we're now i don't want to go back there we've i think we're learning the lessons but if we keep doing this, being this intelligent and this together, we have a chance of doing something. Because I'm looking around the league, and there is, and, and you know the numbers, mate. So there are two teams that are sticking out, and we're one of them. 
You know, that's the truth. On every single metric you want to look at, we are sticking out, mate. And it's in a positive way. And if that continues, then let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. And and I want to be clear. Like, again, this is so important for me to stress. Forward-looking expectation and backward-looking evaluation are two different things. Right now, I want to plant my flag. I want this to be a title challenge. That's what I want it to be. If we finish the season in third and we have 88 points or 86 points and we played beautiful football, you will not hear me say anything other than it was a sensational season that I loved and was a success. I can acknowledge that and still say right now, that's not what I'm dreaming of. Like, yeah, I want to get out of bed in the morning, looking forward to the football at the weekend and be like, gosh, could we be top of the league for another week? If you're top of the league for another week, you get to say you're top of the league and you get to say we're in this thing. And I realize what we're trying to scale, the mountain we're trying to scale. I realize it. I want us to scale it. And I, and I think, I think the, the thing about it is, for the first time ever, I don't think it's absurd to say we could. You know, I don't think it's absurd. Now, we are, we, I think we're the youngest team in the league or second youngest team in the league. Youngest squad, second, yeah. second, yeah, second, second. Youngest squad, yeah. I think Southampton, on potential, I've got a younger team on, on, a, on a given Saturday. Yeah. I, and Paul, like I get it. It's it's asking an immense amount. I, I I think it's it's maybe we are maybe what we're having is a semantic debate more than an actual debate, which are the best. Semantic debates are easily easily better than a substantive debate you can have. But I think that I think it's a debate I'm, between living in the present and living in the future, right? Which is what happiness is based on. We're loving the each game, oh, yeah. our performances, every, every where the club's it. at. Mm-hmm. And like, Thursday. <laughs> like, I look to the future, I look to could we. It's not that I don't have, but I'm not, I'm going to spend very little time there because you can take a season that's a tremendous success and take something out of it by living all in the, you know, where are we at? Where are we at versus them? Like, this is just an app from where we're building and where we're going and what we're adding to it. We don't really have a right to be in a ding-dong battle with City right to the... We Absolutely. might end up there. If we keep doing everything right, if we, if we don't make any mistakes, if the, the gods are kind to us, we could well be there. But we can have a really good season and keep building and keep building and keep getting better and enjoy every bit of it without having to worry. And, like, we're in this potential title race with City if things go well without us we didn't co- we didn't spend the last six months thinking oh come on title race okay like play good football do the right things we don't need to worry about it either because Mikel Arteta I said this a long time ago and you will remember this Arteta Mikel Arteta is a man of unusual ambition right we don't need to worry about it too much we just need to enjoy where we're at I'm not saying I, I guess I'm kind of telling other people how they should feel about things because that's kind of <laughs> what we're... But, like, this is how I see it. The, the, the only problem with it all is feeding the, the media thing and getting all in. And then it becomes success or failure, us versus them. Oh, they lost because they were inexperienced. They weren't mentally... Like, you don't need all that shit, which is what you get when you buy into the... It's a two-horse race and you... Fa- Look at the shit with the North London Derby last year. We know why we lost, but the the whole media thing after it was we bottled it, we were too young, we were too inexperienced, we weren't as good as we thought we were. That wasn't why we lost the North London Derby. We ran out of players. 
Yeah, we ran out of players. We ran a little cold on on some decisions in that game. Sure. I mean, the funny thing is I actually think the narrative was much more correct against Newcastle than it was against uh, Spurs, but that's a different issue. But, like, uh, look, Paul, we, we fundamentally agree on a lot of things. I think um, it... It kind of reminds me of last season too, right? Because top four wasn't the goal when we went into last season. If you remember, we were just saying, let's just get back into Europe. But there was absolutely a point last season where it was fair and right to say from this position, we should go on and be in the top four. Now, we know why that didn't happen. And most of us, I think, have softened our stance on that, myself included. I think from where we are right now, saying we should go on and win the title is a nonsense. But from where we are right now, I am absolutely comfortable feeling excited that that's not beyond our grasp anymore it has it has you know i'll but, put it this way but you you made a great point look how they turned last year into a failure we came from eighth to fifth europa league we we're right on track we finished strong uh we had a good team playing good football building a platform for the summer we had a great summer but here we get this message from the media that last year we fell short and it was a failure and it but wasn't like, because the thing I'll say, I'll say this: there was an aspect of failure about last season. Of course, there was. No, we it wasn't. In a position where we, well, hang on. So let's say this. Let me give you a hypothetical. It's the last day of the season. We're playing Bournemouth at home, and we need one point to win the title, and we lose. Mm-hmm. That's failure. The whole season overall has a lot of positive things about it that are undeniable, and yet. You can also look at the saying you needed a point at home to Bournemouth to be champions and you didn't get it. So, like, there can be failures and successes. And, and I but think what if the like, last oh. game of the season is the North London Derby? It's at their stadium and we've run out of players and yeah, we no, don't I, get our right. point. We agree. That is not we, failure we, we from agree. where we started. But what I'm saying is, like, it is not unreasonable. It was not unreasonable at the point we had gotten to last season to say Arsenal should get top four. Any more than is unreasonable right now to say discussing a title is, you know, starting to, to be an acceptable conversation. It was That's not all, unreasonable way, on, if, as long as we didn't run out of players. If you'd known at the point you thought we should win, the, uh, get top four, you'd also known at the same time we would run out of players. You would have changed your view to, OK, this is not a slam dunk for top four after all. We're, we're going to have to do it. We're going to have to play the yeah, North London Derby. These arguments can get really circular really fast, though, they Paul, can. because then there are people that are going to be like, well, you should have gotten Bruno Guimaraes in January and you would have OK, been but that's a whole I, other conversation. That is a right, parallel a, universe. In the f- universe we lived in, are, with the actual outcomes, with the actual players we had, like yeah. we living within the universe that that unfolded, we, somehow we managed to turn that into a failure, which is amazing. Yeah, I, I think last season was a nice little step forward. I think this season is everything we could have hoped for, and you can't get this season without last season. So I, you know, I see the constituent parts coming together to be where we are now. It's a nice I, build. Yeah. 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 I mean, the. The interesting thing in discussing this is, for me, just trying to get back a sense of who we are as a club and what we really are about. I mean, it is crazy how quickly a few seasons of being mid-table and being cut adrift and not feeling a part of this and 18 seasons and not really ever being in a title race, to be completely honest. I mean, maybe in 07, maybe, like, can can really change how you look at things. I think it's going to take a long time before us as fans of this club wrap our head around when 
and if it's appropriate to think of yourself as a club that could go on and win the title. And that's going to be something that we'll find out over the next few months. But this weekend, I think these are the kinds of games that whatever you want from your season, these are the ones that really challenge you. You come off two fever pitch home games against Spurs and Liverpool. And now you got to go away to a team that has a lot about them. Defensively, they're pretty solid. They don't score a ton of goals, but this is not the leads of last season that was kind of a mess and, you know, really, really shipping goals left and right and had kind of fallen apart under Bielsa a little and lost all their players when we played them in that COVID game where they had nobody. This is a team that's pretty organized. And if we don't bring the level of focus and commitment to this game that we brought to the Liverpool and Spurs game, we won't win it. So I think this is an interesting test because on the balance of talent and tactics, I expect us to win it. It's a good test for whether the team can bring the same exact focus and commitment to Leeds away that they can bring to the Derby or bring to Liverpool at home. Yeah, it all depends on recovery, doesn't it? Uh, it's a very quick turnaround. It's a two o'clock kickoff, I think, on Sunday from a Thursday night away in Norway. Cheers, thanks a lot. You know what I mean? It's just, uh, that's what we signed up for. <laughs> yeah. um, it's going to be difficult. But this is why last night's rotation was important. I think the you made a point earlier, and I agree that the emotional level of the last two home games have been so high. You know, they've drained me. God, I don't do I've done to the players. You know, what I mean, they're so high moments of in my life I will never forget. You know, those last two games, and so we have to. Yep. We we needed we needed this game yesterday. We need a dead game, just like get get in there, get out, get on the bus, get out of dodge. That's all you need. Get out of there with your legs without having to have a skin graft on that plastic pitch. That's what you want. And mm-hmm. and we've got out of there. We, were, we got out of there with the points. And, and Arteta's got the perfect game because he's got enough to give him a rollicking about. Centre-halves playing in different counties, for one. And he's got enough to give him a rollicking about. But he's also got the points. So he's still on plan. Do you see what I mean? He's still on plan. He's got his player plan, who he wants to play in certain games. He's still on plan. And basically, it's exactly where we want to be, is where we're going, right? So we're going to lead. So what are leads? You know, from my, my views on them, I mean, I haven't done masses on them, but what I do know, they're still high energy. You know, they still they got a couple of American players in there now, in Tyler Adams and is it Brennan Aronson? I think his name is, who plays Aronson. on the right. Um, Harrison plays on the left. They got the classic four two three one with Rodrigo in behind centre forward, and and they're a high energy, pressing, energetic team that wants to go forward. That got beat last out. I think they got beat by Fulham by Crystal Palace. It's all about us, really. It's all about us, and our form is repeatable, and we can play in spaces where we want to play. Um, just to go back to your overall point, Elliot, I think we are going through an evolution here. And as fans, we're having to evolve our thinking about Arsenal and where we are. But what I will say is, from my own personal view, is I love how I'm feeling at the moment and I don't want it to stop. And so I'm looking around nervously around the the club and the... (laughs) for the things that are going to take this feeling away. Do you know what I mean? Uh, we're sitting here, was 11 games in, one ten of them. We won all our pre-season games and we won them running away and that was a signal to where we're going. Uh, when we did our pre-season review, I said we we're going to get 78 points and at that moment in time, 
it felt a little bit laughable. You know, people, they started to think and people got a bit closer to it. Well, 78 points. How does that sound now, right? Does it sound laughable? Does it does it sound like we've we underestimated? Could we could we beat that? Um, I think all I'm trying to say is we can't just lay out the path ahead and expect it to be a certain way. Our position within the top end of the game can be anything we want it to be if we keep being smart. And that's how I look at it. And I think fair play to the club because they've been very, very smart lately. You can look at our predictions on the website, by the way, under stuff. You see the predictions. You'll see that I did have us coming third on 76 points. Clive had us coming third on 78 points. Negative Nelly Paul, fourth on 75. Tim, fourth on 71. What was he thinking? And Scott, 72 points, but fifth. So there you go. The most anger and ire can be <clears throat> directed to Scott, <clears throat> as usual, leading the charge for positivity, myself and Clive, who are always the true believers. Um, as it stands with Leeds... Paul, like I, I had a little look at them statistically. I'll admit, I have not watched much of them this season. I've watched a decent amount of Premier League football, but for one reason or another, they're a team I just haven't caught their games. And I think the thing that surprised me is the effectiveness of them defensively. Um, you know, I think they they are a team that sort of emulates their manager, gritty, stuck in, organized, right? They're, they 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 are not the free-flowing, chance-creating Bielsa side that has a lot of... Um, holes in their press that you can attack and and go turn them around the other way. They do seem to be a little bit more, um, let's say, less blockbuster, <laughs> less less easy on the eye. So I'm curious if your research turned up the same thing. I, I, I'm not really totally sure what to make of them. I think Aronson has looked great, though, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. Look, I haven't... Uh, let, I'm going to reverse situations with you here. I'm going to be Mr. Super Duper Positive. Um, right. I like uh, it. Yeah, I've watched them a lot in the past, but I haven't really watched them this season. So I listened to two podcasts, the one on The Athletic with uh, Phil Hayes, uh, mm -hmm. a one of their leading fan podcasts. And then I listened to Jesse March live. Uh, he had a press conference this morning. Um, good news, we're, f we're playing them at the perfect time. Yeah, they got a result against Chelsea, but it was kind of a bit of an anomaly. Chelsea were in, as we know, in a very funky situation. They've got two points out of their last five games, and they are, what's the technical term? Shite. Um, <laughs> their defensive back line is cobbled together. They've got injuries. They've got some. They got a guy like uh, Strike, Strujic. Uh, plays left back for them. He's doing well defensively, but he's not a left back. He's a centre back. They got injuries all over the place. Um, they have uh, our friend Bamford up front, but he's not fit. He's not firing. He, it's the Bamford we remember when we thought he was uh, not very good and couldn't score, as opposed to the one who was kind of making Bielsa's team really tick at their best. Um, but they don't really have another good option instead of him, so they're still playing him. Uh, they got Rodrigo as the ten very often, and the fan podcasts like they didn't have a. They went through. <laughs> they were trying to find a positive. They were interviewing Phil Hayes uh, on this fan podcast as well, and the, like they went through their team, where the rat, their performances, their attack, their creativity, and the lack of it. They got Harrison. That's about it. Uh, their problems. Uh, Around, along their back line and like 
in the end, though, they went through Arsenal and like they mm. are, t- you know, that thing where we want teams to be afraid of us. They are <laughs> <They're afraid>. fucking <laughs> terrified. What are they? What are they particularly afraid of? Where do they think we can get them? Because I'm, I'm all over. Jesse March oh, was asked uh, what part of our attack was he worried about, and he just like he just stopped and he said, "Well, all of it." And then he's like, "They just got it all going on. What they're doing over there." Uh, it's stable, it's un- unpredictable, it's creative. Um, so the fan podcast worked through everything, worked through all the things that weren't okay with their team. And it wasn't like some reactionary kind of podcast. This was the good one. Uh, yeah. They went through us. The, they thinking, went, man's, the yeah. thinking Man's Fearful Leads podcast. <laughs> yeah, they went through, now is this the time where, you know, things could suddenly turn around and concluded no. And then they went, they, they went with, well, Phil, how was our support against Crystal Palace? That must have been good because they kind of got battered at Crystal Palace too. And he was like, well, actually, they were stuck in a corner and Crystal Palace are very loud and I couldn't actually hear the lead support. So, like, they, could, they didn't even get the, but the supporters were good. They may have been good. Nobody could hear them. Um, look, there's a couple of things they have going for them. It'll be at home. Their, their crowd is raucous. They will be cheering. We saw that when we played them last year and battered them. The crowd were still, uh, they were a 12th man for them. Um, and there's the variance of football and the fact that we played on a Thursday in a very cold place and we'll come back and we've got to not be complacent and be at the r- races. But if we score first, like Leeds do play well in short bursts for a little while. They were pretty decent against Crystal Palace in the first half. They were at a zero in the second half. As soon as Crystal Palace scored, all self-belief ebbs away. So they can play a bit of football. They have zero belief, confidence, credibility. Our fast start is the key, as usual. Um, and we got to do our thing, get out there, score first, as we've done in, I think, we played nine games. We've scored first in seven of them. Yep. That's what we got to do to these guys. Go at them like the clappers. Clive, final thought. Any expectation of a change to the lineup? I mean, I, I doubt we'll see much change. I mean, if Zinchenko's available, I think he will come back in. Otherwise, I assume it'll be Tomiyasu at left back again. I, I don't think Tierney will go 90 on Thursday in Norway and go 90 again, you know, and start against Leeds on Sunday. At least I wouldn't expect it. <clears throat> any any prediction of a surprise inclusion or do you see it the same way? Uh, I see the same team we play against Liverpool. Um, that's one of the best games I've seen. I can't see anything else but that. Uh, I think as we're going through these mm-hmm. multiple games every three or four days, having that stability at the back end of the pitch is, is really key. It allows you time for your strikers to find their feet if they are a little bit lucky off an airplane in midweek. But, and then, of course, when we're at home, it's slightly different. I feel we can be a little bit more expansive in the fullback areas because we're more likely to get into our shape. When we do have those home games towards the end of the month, we've got Forest towards the end of the month. I expect us to be in our full inverted mode at the back. Do you know what I mean? Doing our thing, controlling the football, much higher up, etc. But these away games when we're in post Europe, um, I'm I'm all for let's let the game, let's take the game, let's be aware of the opposition. I'm sitting there in the middle of the week watching countdown. Do you know what I mean? At home and just resting while we are flying around the world, right? So, so I just think. Stability of Tomiyasu is really important to me. I, I love him as a player. 
uh, if Tierney plays, and to be honest, Tierney was playing really, really well. I just felt the manager made a yeah. good decision on on Sunday, and maybe he saw something, another layer in the team, and he might stay there until the form dips somewhere else. And I think that's important. Sometimes you have to ride someone's form, you know, just ride it until it's till it plateaus, mm-hmm. and you then you take them out, right? So, so yeah, I think hopefully we'll nick it. You know, just get the points in the bag and then go from there and sit back and watch Liverpool, City, and with a bit of comfort, right? Yeah, yeah. I I had a little wonder in my mind, is Jesus maybe going to miss out? You know, is he feeling the effects of what happened against Liverpool? Will we be safe? I think Nketiah going 90 on Thursday has me pretty confident that actually Jesus will be in line to start this game. And I, as we record this, I don't know if any other comments have come out or anything like that, but I, that would have been my only question, is Jesus mm-hmm. maybe going to be protected? But like I said, if that was the case, I think Nketiah would have only gone about an hour in midweek. The only other one, Ramsdale. We've now seen a couple times this season that hip bothering him. I thought he was going to come out of the Liverpool game, but he, yeah. he soldiered on. Is there a possibility that he's carrying something that we need to sit him down for a bit? To I think he travelled yesterday, didn't he? He, he was he not. was on the bench, I believe, yesterday. Mm. And so again, I'm not saying that he would have played, but I think it's significant that he went that he travelled. And so I think he, I think he'll be fine in the end. Good stuff. All right, let's knock it on the head. That's 90 minutes for. I was going to say for a game that doesn't warrant it, but we really just mostly argued about how strong our title challenge is going to be for most of this, which we weren't expecting that to be the case going into the season. So that's something, right? Hopefully we'll have more arguments about it throughout the entire season, as opposed to me just looking stupid 48 hours from now. So uh, we will leave it there. Paul's on Twitter at Pause My Pants. Thanks, Paul. Woohoo. Clive's on Twitter at Clive PFC. Thank you very much, Clive. And no, no Clive. No Clive whatsoever. Just just completely, completely abandon us in, in our moment of need. Thank you, Clive. Thank you very much. There it is. Now we can exit this podcast. My name is Alex Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Um, I got to be honest. I hate putting out these pods on Friday. I wish we didn't have Thursday football next season. We won't have Thursday football. We'll be able to put out a Thursday pod talking about who we stomped in the Champions League when we not only come top four, which clearly we will, but also win the Premier League. Again, as I have mentioned many times in this pod. We love you. And we will talk to you after Arsenal 10 leads now. Headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. 
and your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.